Alright, legends. Welcome back, dude, to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive, truly. There is so much going on in the world of a fully-fledged Australian citizen right now. It is out of control. What an exhausting week we have all just spent uh, supporting this nation across multiple codes and multiple battlefields, okay? It is, there's, I'm overwhelmed. I am simply overwhelmed. A lot going on. Firstly, off the rip, we got a brand new, we got a new look in the studio. The Restless JPEG is, uh, has been given a bit of uh, extra pizzazz this week. Not through any intentional rev up from myself. Uh, no initiative has been shown. I don't want to scare anyone. But I actually left the regular sign at the live podcast on Friday. So I got to go and pick that up. And if I could be candid with you, the listener, I honestly just cannot be fucked. Is there anything more annoying than when you got to go into some pub? And this is <laughs> this is not an everyday situation. So I don't want to complain like this is something that happens often. But like when you've got something in a room and you just need someone to unlock that door and it's like 75 blokes, not one of them has the key. It's like, oh, you want the the storage key? Oh, you got to talk to Gary. But Gary doesn't come in on Wednesdays because he's a communist and he's also scared of the full moon. So I don't know if Gary's not in, you could talk to Baxter, but you know, Baxter and Gary actually live together. It's a whole thing. And then it's just like a hassle. You know, so I've been putting it off. I've been putting it off, but I need to go and retrieve the get around me sign. I, sh- I thought about honestly just giving the sign away at the live podcast just to avoid the whole situation I'm currently in, okay? Um, because I'm not going to go out on the circuit after one of the great live podcasts uh, with, you know, a 60 centimeter canvas under my wing, okay? That says get around me with Billy Darcy, Okay, that looks like I've been brought out on the town in some sort of a -a make-a-wish type situation. Okay, you know, boy, I could dead set freaking sit down on Oxford Street with that sign and I reckon I'd get a few donations. I'd look like that much of a no-hoper. So, got to get the sign, but in its place, the Restless JPEG we got here on my, over my left shoulder. How good would this be, by the way, if this was actually the blokes over each of my shoulder? Imagine this rolls into the pub, Billy Darcy... Over his right shoulder, Liam Gallagher. Over his left shoulder, Ty Tuavasa. UFC heavyweight, contender. You know? Oof. Yeah, we'll fucking take a table. Thank you very much. But obviously, it's quite unfortunate timing with Ty, um, as he was viciously knocked out on the weekend in under a minute. Okay, now, here's the thing. Whether Ty Tuavasa gets chinned or not, you know, that's the game we all play. That's the the dice you roll when you walked in to the octagon. Okay, I know the feeling more than most, but this isn't this isn't a mug off to tie after him getting knocked unconscious. This is a celebration of his continued bravery and representation of this great nation. Okay, so I will admit the timing on the tie to Avasa tribute has been poor. Okay, you know when he fought Cyril Garn. For the, was that for the interim strap or for number one contender? Should have put it up before then. When he knocked out Derek Lewis, that was the time. Unfortunately, logistics, timing, this crazy world have resulted in this poorly timed tribute to one of Australia's greatest combat athletes. 
So my apologies there. But dude, there's so much going on. I'm simply overwhelmed. I just found out this week, speaking of the World Cup, international events, you know, this sort of thing. The Women's World Cup is where we've, we are hosting the Women's World Cup next year. Football in this nation is about to explode. And do you know what? The Socceroos have lit the match. Okay. I cannot wait. I might go back and start playing again. That's how fucking revved I am. Okay. Even though I was famously kicked out of my own team, I might have to find another. Okay. That's how revved up I am on the round ball right now. But dude, so we're talking all things events the other day at the old, the old pubaroo, having a few schooneroos, you know, arrogance is in the air. You know, we're just being absolute fucking losers and I'm loving it. And so what the deal is, it's been revealed to me. I don't know if anyone else was aware of this information. It has been revealed to me and I don't know if this is public knowledge. We are actually hosting the Olympics in 2032 in Brisbane. Is anyone, is anyone aware of this information that Brisbane is hosting not a fucking school fair, the Olympics, okay? Is anyone, is anyone across this? Why are we hosting another Olympics? We just bloody had one. You know what I mean? You should get one Olympics a century, really. We had Melbourne in the 60s, Sydney 2000, now Brisbane. We are double dipping like you would not believe in one of the world's most expensive, yet I would argue, irrelevant sporting events. So, very bizarre decision from the Queensland government. I mean, God bless. Really, I think we should give one of these other nations a go. Like, give Cambodia a fucking chance. Imagine if you're one of these countries and you lost the 2032 Olympics to our third best city. You know, imagine fucking, imagine you're, you're, you're Tokyo. You're fucking Athens. I'm trying to think of countries that haven't already hosted an Olympics. Zurich. Uh, Fuck. Other capital cities of note that we all know and love, etc. Okay? Imagine you're one of these capital cities. You're a fully-fledged capital city. You are, without a doubt, the best city in your respective country. And you find out that Brisbane has got the nod ahead of you. You know, it's like that freaking, that Mark War sledge when he was giving it to that pommy bloke. And the guy said, well, at least I'm the best cricketer in my family. That's like what Zurich would be saying to Brisbane in this situation. You know, that's like losing out on an event to Manchester. It's like London couldn't even be fucked. You know what I mean? Dude, what a world to live in. But I cannot wrap my head around why we would uh, spend state or federal money on this. I mean, we've just had the Olympics. Having the Olympics 22 years ago in Olympic timeframes, it's like dog years. In Olympic years, that's like last week, okay? There are multiple, multiple people around this country who still have these Sydney Olympic mascots in their bedrooms, okay? Because they were iconic and we're still reveling in what a truly marvelous event the Harbour City put on. Brisbane having the Olympics, honestly, Sydney, we completed it. I truly, and this isn't bias, obviously I ride for the Harbour City, should be the capital, nation's spiritual capital, we all know it, but I don't think it's possible for Brisbane to put on a better Olympics. How could they? Think of the icons at the Sydney Olympics. We had all of them. Dude, some of the moments. We had Kathy Freeman. We had Closeted Thorpey. 
We had prime Nicky Webster, okay? You can't just replace that, those sort of icons. You can't send fucking poor Nikki Webster up a crane now. She'll be fucking terrified. She's got three kids and has appeared in Zoo magazine. Put her back on the ground, okay? You put Nikki Webster back on the ground, Brisbane, I won't say it again, okay? But Jesus Christ, dude. The tools are down on the Olympic front. We fucking completed it. Queensland's the weirdest place. I remember I was in the Gold Coast doing a show. How's this? In Queensland, on the Gold Coast of all places, they have a theatre on the Gold Coast called the Home of the Arts. Just fucking let that rattle around your upper paddock on this beautiful Wednesday. I mean, Home of the Arts in, Gold, in the Gold Coast. What, what is that where two things mean the opposite thing? A parallelogram? I don't know, dude, but... Yeah, what goes on? What goes on up in Queensland? Is it too late to give the Olympics back is my question. Let's spend the money on just putting up a memorial for the Sydney Olympics. Let's spend those millions of dollars just on a fucking, on a Cathy a Freeman statue. You can have that. But what is the point? I mean, nothing's going to beat the Sydney Olympics. It was unbelievable. But anyway, yeah, the Socceroos, obviously, we'll talk about them later. They're done. I'm exhausted, Okay. The Socceroos, the emotional toll the Socceroos took on me in a six-day space, it was crazy, absolutely crazy. I feel like I've served on the front lines, you know? The fact that the World Cup is still going feels like that film Dear John when Channing Tatum gets blown up by a grenade or maybe gets shot by some bullets. He gets injured quite severely and uh, they're, like, they're like, your war is over, John, time to go home. And he's like, but the war still goes on. And it's like, yeah, mate, but your war does not. That's how I feel about the World Cup now. You know, I'm looking at the game still happening, being like, fuck. Jesus Christ, it's just good to spend a bit of time with my family. You know what I mean? But anyway, let's crack into the yarns from the week that was. Firstly, guys, wow. Where to begin? I've got so much to get through this week. Massive, massive thank you to everyone who came to the live podcast on Friday night, the first ever live episode of Get Around Me. Um, so basically, I, I go through the whole thing with Rowan Arneal in the second half of today's pod, and we talk about it for like 20 minutes. It was great. It could not have gone better. Thank you so much. I didn't really know how it was going to go because I've never seen anyone do a solo podcast live. Like, what am I just going to sit there and talk? It seemed like quite a bizarre concept to me. And I was like kind of anxious about it, but not really. I was extremely anxious about it. And then once I had the whole thing planned out properly, I was like, this is going to crank. I kind of planned it out so it couldn't really go poorly because I just had so much shit planned that it's like, fuck. If even half this stuff goes well in the room, we're cranking. You know what I mean? And uh, Crank It did. Thank you so much to Rowan Arneal, Pat Doherty, Will Gibb, and Freddie McManus who all played, I was going to say played characters. Freddie played a character. Everyone made an appearance. It was unbelievable, dude. So I get into all of that with Rowan, but thank you so much. The live pod ended up selling out. It was like over capacity because I had some friends come on the door. So thanks to everyone who came. You know, it won't be the last. And yeah, it was fucking wild. <laughs> it was really cool. So we'll talk about that in the second half. God, then on the Saturday, so how's this live pod Friday? 
fucking circuited my face off Friday night, come home like 3 a.m., go to bed, wake up, straight in the car, music festival on the Saturday. I was doing interviews and sort of, I was also a punter, I guess you could say, um, due to some of my behavior, but I was at the Sunsets Music Festival on the Northern Beaches. Unreal day. It was one of the hottest days we've ever seen. My beautiful Irish skin uh, was simply under threat, okay? Does sun cream honestly get the credit? Because I walked away with zero sunburn from a day of just eight hours in the sun, sink and pierce. It was unbelievable. I just don't understand. You put this cream on your arms and I would literally be dead in the 1800s. I would not survive in the 1800s. If they say, Billy D, go do some fucking work in the field. I'd say, honestly, mate, I'm, I'm probably more of an arts man. You know, could I do a speech somewhere? And they'd say, no, nah, you're going to be... You're going to be bloody farming some corn. I'd be dead by lunch, okay? Now, while I am extremely mentally and emotionally resilient, my beautiful Irish skin needs to be protected at all costs. And so, dude, I was lathering up like once an hour. They knew me by name at the medical tent, let me tell you. And at one point, I saw um, this girl I know was lathering up, beautiful sun cream. I said, oh, mate, could I borrow a bit of that? And she goes, yeah, no worries. SPF 30. SPF 30. Why are we even still selling SPF 30? Can anyone honestly answer me that question? SPF 50, it's right next to it on the shelf. If you just move your right hand at Woolies an extra fucking 10 centimeters, we can have the best protection money can buy. What SPF 30 is like, it's like when France played Tunisia. It's like we just got blokes off the bench starting. Why are we giving Tunisia a sniff in this contest? SPF 50, let's start Mbappe. Stop fucking around, okay? SPF 30 sun cream is like mid-strength beer or standard definition pornography. Why does it still exist, dude? You know what I mean? It's like we've completed it. Why don't we have our SPF 10 on the shelves next to that? You know what I mean? Why don't we have that some sort of a sun cream from 1963? doesn't even work. Keep that up there. Blokes aren't still out here jacking off to Zoo Weekly, okay? They're watching some weird shit in 4K because it's 2022. So if that's the case, why are we still selling SPF 30 sun cream? It's quite unsettling. But anyway, dude, so I roll into this festival. Rowan, you know, co-host of the second half of this podcast. I just did Wakanda Forever into the camera, which I think is actually extremely problematic. But anyway, however, whatever the symbol is for white guys helping out white guys, that's what we saw as Rowan drove me to the festival. Really appreciate it. Dude, so firstly, roll into this festival. The security was quite, quite aggressive. Full pat down. They even went through your wallet. Okay. Luckily, may you go through my wallet in front of a a bunch of people. You will not arrest me, uh, but you will embarrass me because... You know, all that's in there is is fucking a debit card with no money on it and a great attitude. So, you know, felt felt over the top. But anyway, rolled into this festival, meet up with this, uh, been assigned this cameraman, get a media pass. It's all very exciting. Okay. Cameraman says, mate, I'm filming this band. I get there at 12. Cameraman says, I'm filming this band at 12.30. Let's, uh, and then another band at like one. Let's meet up at two. I said, mate. I said, Project Alum, the good kids run at two. Not going to miss them. He said, all right, no stress. Let's start at three. So I rolled in on media duties and then was immediately tools down um, and into my work. 
as a punter. So that was great. Dude saw some great bands. I'd like to give a shout out to Camino Gold from Newcastle. These guys absolutely cranked. The Good Kids, Marvel, Sons of the East, All Day. The fucking list goes on, dude. Dude, Alex Hayes was there, local sort. I saw Alex Hayes in real life. It's absolutely breathtaking. Possibly the hottest man on the planet. And, dude, unreal. The police presence of this festival uh, had to be seen to be believed. I think it was like five cops to every one punter, you know? I had four of them just following me to the bathroom, watching me take a piss. It was unbelievable. At one point, dude, I was on, a, I was on the dance floor hitting my famous Irish two-step. I mean, dude, I haven't vibed this hard since I was in fucking New Orleans, okay? But I was hitting the Irish two-step, dead set beagles on the dance floor. Through the dance floor, this fucking beagle, immediate PTSD from me. I'm thinking, fuck, if I go down here, mum's going to kill me, okay? Because my mum listens to this podcast every week. She was not impressed by the fucking cannabis caution, I'll tell you that. And so I thought, mate, if I go down here, this is the end of me, you know? We're going to Adelaide for Christmas. I won't be allowed on the plane. But all's well that ends well. And, dude, so where to begin with this fucking festival? So then I'm, I'm on the microphone interviewing punters and artists. It was great, dude. Firstly, interviewing artists like, you know, musicians. I'm not sure what the uh, politically correct term for poor people is. But, God, it was absolutely unbelievable. I met some great bands, some great people. Everyone was so friendly, very generous with their time because I was very much like, I'm so sorry, this will take like 90 seconds. People were very generous with their time. Oh, dude, this was the absolute creme de la creme. So interviewed a lot of punters, a lot, a lot of punters. Some of them, (laughs) the thing with when you're interviewing people in the wild like this, I think the key is just to get a lot of footage so you can throw out the crap because some people you, you do find are crap. You know, some people I'm like, I'm, I was like, Matt, how's the vibe out there? And some people, even after 12 beers and God knows what else, were just like, good. Or they'd be so munted, it would be like, beyond the pale, unusable. Okay. The whole time I'm talking to these people, I'm just thinking, yep, yep, that doesn't make the edit. That doesn't make the edit. And he's just said the N word. That's not going to make the edit. That's not that band's actual name. Why'd you say that? That wasn't the question I asked. It's tough sledding out there. You've got you to fucking get a lot of runs on the board um, with these punters to get some usable stuff, okay? I think I probably did like two hours worth of interviews and if we could get a 90-second clip that is passable for Instagram, I think that will be a really exciting opportunity. But bands aside, it was so fucking fun. So much funny stuff happened. Um, got to interview all day patron saint of this podcast unfortunately firstly great guy great guy all day um famously follows me on instagram which i brought up almost immediately okay did not get to blaze with the great man which is still on the bucket list still on the bucket list but dude it was so great chatted to him for a bit interviewed him fucking legend okay absolute legend and uh, yeah, it just couldn't have gone better. I had such a fun day. Basically, I would do like an hour of interviews, just uh, having fun with people. Then like I'd just go watch bands, pick up the microphone again. It's fucking awesome. I had the best time ever. And it was just great. There was so much great local talent on the Northern Beaches. I was almost emotional watching some of these great local acts, you know. I have a lot of empathy for up-and-coming artists, as you can imagine. 
Ari doing a podcast out of my bedroom. <laughs> and dude, it was just great. You know, the arts are so important. I ride for the arts. And because there was like four stages and there was a local stage out the back and I saw really poor from me, but I, f- I didn't catch the artist's name, but I saw this one woman on the guitar towards the end of the festival. It was where like Sons of the East were playing and everyone was at Sons of the East. I think it was Sons of the East and Bag Raiders. So then the local stage was obviously not getting as much love. I'll be candid. I actually sort of left before the end of um, the festival because I was just absolutely out to lunch. Okay. I'll be completely candid and transparent with what happened. I was absolutely out of my mind. Okay. So towards the end of Sons of the East, I was like, dude. And the other thing was I had to get up. It's like 10 p.m., I'm out of my mind. I've been on the source for fucking two days. And I've, here's the thing, 6 a.m. wake up for the Socceroos. So I was like, dude, I got to get out of here. So then as I left, the local stage was still cranking. But like there was only like 15 people watching because obviously everyone's seen the big acts. And I didn't get this lady's name. She was playing at about 9.30, 10 on the local stage. It's about 15 people in the crowd. Holy shit, she was Unbelievable. I ended up staying for like an extra 20 minutes. I was just blown away. And it just reminded me, you know, dude, the arts, regardless of, of the size of the crowd, whether there's 12 people or 12,000, you know, it, it, the art itself has inherent value, regardless of the audience uh, or even their reaction to it, I guess. But I was watching this chick just rip it to 15 people. And, oh, my God, she was fantastic, dude. You know, so... Wish I could, wish I got her name, but I did not. But it just just reminded me that, you know, as someone who often plays to 15 people myself, that regardless of the crowd number, it's all about just gripping it and ripping it, you know what I mean? So, great festival. Had to get home for the Socceroos. Up at 6am. God, where to begin, where to begin. How much time do we have before this camera cuts out? All right, so the Socceroos, dude. So, obviously... Up at six. I got to say, it was probably the best game we played the whole tournament. If you compare the first half of the Socceroos to the first half, sorry, the first half of the Socceroos against Argentina versus our first half against Denmark, we were so much better against Argentina. So good on the boys. Um, You know, Messi obviously scored that goal. There's not heaps you could do about it. I don't think Matty Ryan could fucking see the thing behind all the bodies. And, you know... It's it's Lionel. The guy had a moment. That happens. Dude, I am so proud of our boys for the amount of fucking cunt we showed out there. Uh, Behich, that guy is such a socceroo. When he was like getting in Messi's face and he had those fucking, you know, those wild, like, a, you know, when like a fucking, like a Serb Australian or like an it- Italian Australian, you know, they just go full psycho on the soccer pitch. You know, that fucking crazy wog energy on a, on the football pitch. Dude, when Behich and his eyes are like rolling back in his head and he looks like he's about to saw Messi's head off, dude, that's how you rev a nation at 6 a.m. Eastern time, okay? Holy fucking shit, I love that guy. When he exploded into the box in the second half and beat one, beat two, Behich, oh, what a tackle from that Argentinian guy. And then, yeah, Qual. When they brought Qual on, I'm not going to lie, I was being negative in the room. If you were in my lounge room, you would have heard a negative Billy Darcy, okay? 
But I got to say, because he looked a bit out of his depth out there. And also, I was thinking, what are we doing putting on this 17-year-old guy? What are we building to the next World Cup? We're in a fucking World Cup right now. You know, I would have put on Mobile or McLaren. But I got to say, Qual, he looked a bit shell-shocked, but he almost fucking did it for us, didn't he? So good on him. Very proud of our boys. Um, That guy, Devlin, who didn't even play a minute of the whole tournament and got Lionel Messi's fucking jersey. Mate, honestly, if I was one of the boys on that team, one of the senior lads, I would have just gone, give me that, you little cunt. Okay, if I'm like Behich or Lecky or Aaron Moy, shout out to Aaron Moy. I think he played every minute of the tournament. He was unbelievable. What a workhorse. And he did so many, so many great runs when Messi picked up the ball just in behind our defenders. Those little runs where Moy just had to go hard for that 10 meters. Not like he was cleaning up Messi, Harry Sutar style or anything, but just making that 10 meters to just get him, get ball, um, goal side and just fucking standing him up. Just those little moments where it's just like that little burst. Unbelievable, Aaron Moy. God, if I was Aaron Moy, I go to that little Cam Devlin cunt and I go, hey, is that Messi's jersey? Oh, it is, is it? Oh, sweet. Sorry, were you the one chasing him for the last 90 minutes, putting this nation on your back after we've just played three of the most exhausting games in 55 degree heat? Were you the one who's been playing fucking defensive center mid for 90 minutes every game, literally in the desert? Oh, oh, oh no, that was me. Oh, oh, that was me. What were you doing? Having fucking smoothies on the bench. Having a laugh. Oh, okay, cool. No, 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 that's cool. Cool. Just give me the jersey. Yeah, give it to me right now. Yeah, it's mine. No, it's mine. Yeah. No, I'm not joking at all. Fuck off. Get on the fucking bus. Also, here's my bag. Fucking carry that too, you little cunt. Okay? I couldn't believe that guy got the jersey, dude. Unbelievable. He was on the news. He's like, oh, 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 oh. None of the other boys wanted it. It's like, really? None of the other boys wanted Lionel Messi's jersey after they've just played him the only time they ever will get to in their entire football careers. None of the 13 to 15 men who got on the field wanted that jersey. Oh, I couldn't believe it. I bet you couldn't, you jammy little bastard. Get on the bus. You're flying economy back to Sydney, okay? But Aaron Moy, my God, put him on a fucking coin. Unbelievable, dude. Unbelievable. The Socceroos, oh, I saw this article on Junkie the other day that even like footballing uh, funding is the word I'm looking for. Funding in this country for football is like lower than basketball and all these other sports. Put it this way. The first, the first sport that had more money than football was basketball. Okay. I don't think I need to really go any further. Okay. Say what you will about the NBA. Say what you will about basketball on the world stage. But the NBL in this country receiving more funding than the world game, football, that's out of this world, dude, okay? So we need to increase funding for the world game. We need to put Aaron Moy on the money and we need to get Lionel Messi's jersey off that little, that little kid who was carrying the drinks in Qatar. And we need to do those things in that order, okay? All right, guys, this episode of Get Around Me has been brought to you by Manscaped. It's never too early to play holiday music and it's never too early to start thinking about gifts. Whether it's for a friend or the friend in your pants, you can make this season a season to be jolly with Manscaped. Do your little drummer boy a favor and use the lawnmower 4.0 to avoid another silent night in the bedroom. Okay? 
Santa cares about his sack and so should you. Look nice when you get naughty by going to manscaped.com and use code word DARCY, D-A-R-C-Y, all capitals, for free shipping and 20% off. That's code word DARCY. Uh, these products are unbelievable. I use the lawnmower myself. The safety, the ease of use, it's got a light on the end. You can't miss a thing. And it's just, it's a confidence going out there knowing your downstairs region looks like the Adelaide Oval pitch on day one, okay? You win the toss, you're going to fucking bat first on this thing, and Marnus is going to absolutely fill his boots. So the Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0 is the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all. It has everything needed to help you deck the halls from face to balls just in time for mistletoe season. Okay, the Platinum Package has each product from the best-selling performance package, plus the ultra-premium body wash, ultra-premium 2-in-1 shampoo and conditioner, and the ultra-premium deodorant. It's the best way to smell fresh from your Santa hat down to your candy cane. So get around this great company, Manscaped. Support them as they support this podcast. We would really appreciate it. Uh, 20% off and free shipping. How good is that? 20% off and free shipping with the code word Darcy. D-A-R-C-Y, all capitals, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with the code word Darcy. Get around it. Absolutely sensational deal coming into Chrissy. Now, let's get back to the pod, dude. Okay, couple of topics to crank into here, and then we'll have a significant amount of cricket chat at the end, then Rowan Arneal after that. Get into that Rowan Arneal one we talk about the live podcast, and we go into the Liver King whole thing, and it's probably the best one we've done. So crank into that. But building on last week's educational segment about situationships, which I've just learned about, building on my knowledge of gaslighting, okay? Uh, One of the lads at the live pod actually told me there's a new one called love bombing. Now, I don't know if anyone's heard this single term love bombing. Now, I Googled it. Love bombing is when you show over-the-top affection early in a relationship. So you give them like lots of attention, lots of uh, very lovey-dovey, lots of gifts, you know, gets a lot of social media fucking posting and messages and shit. And then they sort of pull back or whatever. I'm not sure. Now, this is an interesting one. Uh, I love that people go into the dating arena with any sort of strategy whatsoever. I've been candid before and I'll be candid again. Uh, I go in with a Carlton draft, a good attitude and, and really a pinch of destiny. You know, I'm not too stressed about it. But I love that people are thinking like this. You know, it's very exciting to be a single person in this time. Uh, People that go over the top early in a relationship, we just called them pelicans in high school. Not sure about this love bombing stuff, you know. You know when one of the lads is like 10 days in with a girl and their Instagram is just absolutely reprehensible, you know, little fucking nicknames and shit two weeks in, bloody all sorts of weird photos. And it's like, mate, what goes up must come down. You know when it's like, mate, people are like moving in together after like three weeks and it's like, I think this is kind of like the people who love bomb. They go too hard too early. They're like, oh my God, you're the one. It's like, brother, this is so ending up in tears. <laughs> okay. And I don't know. I don't know what the what the go is with love bombing, you know, because with this sort of stuff, it usually does take two to tango. You know, I've never seen one of these lovey-dovey couples three weeks in where they haven't both been absolutely frothing on it. So it's quite an interesting concept. 
Um, I feel like the best couples are like the most covert ones. You know, they just act normally in real life and on social media. And then you run into him one day and you're like, oh, how, how's Kate going? And he's like, yeah, mate, we've been going out for five years. We're actually engaged and just bought a house. And you're like, huh, okay, well, there you go. They're like, yeah, mate, just, just got a Labrador. We're killing it. And you're like, yeah, right. Meanwhile, old fucking love bomb McGee over here is 10 business days in with his bird and they've got fucking matching toe rings and shit. It's fucking disturbing. So I've got to say any bloke who behaves this way and because they, they said on the article, to be fair, I did read this on uh, <laughs> I did read this on cosmopolitan.com. So I don't know if it was, uh, you know, a traditionally female readership, but they said it is traditionally men who love bomb. So lads, have, have a look at yourselves for engaging in this made-up term. But uh, <laughs> but any bloke who behaves this way, it is quite embarrassing, isn't it? Because if you're fucking head over heels carrying on on Instagram like it's 1997 or whatever, that just tells me you're probably, you've probably never really felt anything for anyone, you know? I've seen genuine 28-year-old men behave this way on Instagram like two weeks in, 28 years old. And it's like, mate, if you if you've actually been in the mix and got mugged off enough, you'd know you'd know that you know just one day at a time, brother. Okay, you've done you've done a double profile picture change across multiple platforms, and it's quite disturbing. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. All these new terms, it's so exciting. All these new terms, like I said, the situationship, gaslight, love bomb. These terms are all just there to color in uh, the fact that you're alone, mate. Okay, here's the thing. I feel like there's a pushback against just being single in 2022. You know, I'm single and that's it. <laughs> but people go, you know, instead of just getting mugged off after four dates, people go, oh, I was so lucky to escape that one. That guy was actually gaslighting and love bombing me. So, yeah, very lucky to escape what could have been a really emotionally damaging situation. It's like what a truly what a truly long and round the corner way to say, yeah, I'm single. Okay? I'm single. It's like when uh when you're 16 and someone asks you if you've lost your virginity and you haven't, but you say you tell them like the closest you've come. It's like, Bill, have you lost your virginity? It's like, nah, mate, but there was this one time at this party where I got so close. And it's like, oh sweet, so you haven't. <laughs> it's like, hey Bill, have you got have you got a girlfriend? It's like, nah, but I've just recently been love bombed quite a bit. No, no, so you don't. You Just the word we're looking for is no. So I love these terms, you know. It's cool. They're fucking really jazzing up the resume. It's very exciting. What a time to be single. Um, <laughs> up next, okay, up next, this next one. Hate to take a right turn. This next one's quite serious, okay. Now, Jenna Ortega, famous actress. Jenna Ortega, if you don't know her, she is uh, the new chick in that thing on Netflix, Okay. So she is very popular and uh, she's in the show Wednesday or she plays the chick called Wednesday or she was born on a Wednesday. Something about a Wednesday, okay? Now, here's, here's the thing. I'll come clean. I'm not actually that familiar with Jenna Ortega, but she's extremely famous and I often go into the entertainment news uh, to pad out uh, what's left of this podcast. So Jenna Ortega, how's this? She got asked in an interview... Is there any music you will you absolutely hate that you, you don't allow to be put on in your house? And Jenna Ortega, fantastic actri actress, fantastic woman. 
She said, there's one song I absolutely hate, and if you put it on in my house, I'm kicking you out. Dance Monkey by Tones and I. Okay? Now, what? <laughs> when are people going to leave my girl Tones and I alone? Okay? What has Tones and I done to anyone? It's unbelievable the amount of shit. <laughs> I'm laughing and I'm crying, okay? Dude, Tones and I, it's just relentless. It never fucking ends for Tones and I. This poor girl, when did Dance Monkey come out? I remember I spoke about it on the podcast and I remember Ben and Liam were on Triple J at the time. I think it was the same week um, uh, Ben or Liam fucking just broke down on Triple J in tears. Everyone was just being so hateful to Tones and I and the lads. Everyone was crying. Ben was crying. I was crying. Tones and I was crying. So I think it must be like three years ago or something. I don't know. But people are still happy to go at Toads and I. It's like, mate, it's out of the zeitgeist now. You've just brought it back, you know. I'm this close to doing like a Leave Britney Alone style video about Tones and I. And I don't even really, like, I'm not like, I'm not listening to Tones and I in my own time. I like that one that wasn't Dance Monkey. You know, I don't mind Dance Monkey. I don't particularly feel anything for it. Um... But what was the, her other one at the time? You and I or something? Dude, I liked it. I got no qualms with Tones and I. The amount of hate. If you have like a graph of like the amount of hate someone has elicited and the amount of hate they've received, Tones and I's is crazy. It's crazy, okay? You know, Katy Perry has released about fucking 25 of these mindless pop jingles that get played nonstop. And she's on Menulog making $25 billion a day with a fucking cupcake on her head. Meanwhile, Tones and I, where's her menu log ad? Where's her cupcake on her head? Instead, she's just getting a fucking drive-by from the hottest chick on the planet, you know? The mo- the hottest and most relevant chick this week, because this is how kind of fame works now, you know? Tiger King comes out on Netflix, and whoever's the star of that thing is like the relevant person for that week. You know, it's like when Florence Pugh and Olivia Wilde, because... Olivia Wilde fucked that, um, you know, whatever was happening, that week it was happening. You know, it's kind of like weekly rotation. This week, Wednesday comes out on Netflix. Everyone's talking about it. Jenna Ortega has used her moment of being the most relevant actress on the planet. You got about four business days before that, you know, the next thing comes along. And she's just gone fucking load up. It was on like Jimmy Fallon or something or like the biggest YouTubers thing. She's just gone fucking... Quick drive-by on Tones and I. You're not done yet, babe, okay? Fucking hell. It is absolutely... You must be... Imagine Tones and I is like having some fucking cereal, you know, having a coffee, starting her day, going, oh, just have a quick scroll of the old gram. Jenna Ortega slams Dance Monkey. You'd be like, fucking hell. When are we going to be done with this? You know? Imagine Tones and I. It's like, it's like the year 3000. We're all like fucking immortal half-cyborg things. And there's like the famous, most famous cyborg on the planet is like, fuck, I heard Dance Monkey the other day. I hate it so much. And it's like, oh my God, it's been 900 years. Dude, I blame South America. If you go on the Dance Monkey music video, it's all Portuguese comments. You know, the Brazos are just loving it. Do you reckon Tones and I is like in the studio going like, fuck, this cranks too hard. Bring this down a bit, lads. You know, the Brazos are going to go too nuts. We got to keep this thing off the charts. I can't stand the death threats, you know? Jesus Christ. So just take a moment to remind yourself that, hey, 
Tones and I is doing it tough out there, guys. If you see Tones and I at the shops, she'll be wearing about 75 hats and 95 pairs of sunglasses. Give her a fucking hug, okay? Poor Tones and I. You know what I mean? What about Tones and us, guys? What about Tones and us? Anyway, up next, uh, obviously it's summer, okay? The weather in Sydney is just sort of, you know, we're in the 22s. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you guys. Me and Maka went to the beach yesterday after work and we didn't even go in the water because it was honestly like 19 degrees and windy. It was fucking British out there, yeah? And anyway, but it's still summer, so this is your annual reminder to watch A Moody Christmas. It is currently streaming on Stan, I believe, and Netflix, I think both of them. A Moody Christmas, if you haven't heard about it, new listeners to the podcast. A Moody Christmas is a six-part Australian comedy series. Each episode goes for half an hour, six half-hour episodes. It is the funniest, most culturally relevant, fucking wrap you in a hug of Australian summer culture, Christmas extravaganza of a show you will ever watch. It is so fucking funny. Annual reminder to watch A Moody Christmas. It is so good, dude. Every episode, I'll just explain the the concept. There's this guy, Dan. He lives in London. Every year, he flies back for Christmas uh, to his family's home. And it's just each episode is his family Christmas day in the Australian summer. And so each year, each episode is like a year into the future. It's very well done. It is absolutely hilarious. The plot is hilarious. I cannot speak highly enough of this comedy program. And in fact, this can be the project for this week. Okay. The project for this week, watch a moody Christmas. It is absolutely unbelievable. Okay. Uncle Tez will have you in absolute hysterics. The fucking end of the first episode, how to make gravy comes on. Okay, this is like fucking, if they had Australian summer Christmas in a syringe, fucking stick this in in your ass like you're the goddamn liver king and rev the fuck up, okay? Annual reminder to watch A Moody Christmas. Okay, so that's the project for this week. Watch A Moody Christmas, M-O-O-D-Y. So good. Uh, Also, uh, a reminder, both season one and season two of Blue Water High, are available on YouTube, full episodes, okay? Fucking phenomenal programming. I re-watch every summer. Season three, I think, is also available on YouTube. Annual reminder to stay away from that, okay? Season three is like goal three. It's like they just fucked it so hard. Over the summer, it's a diet of schooners, blue water high, test cricket, Christmas ham, and potentially some light narcotics, okay? You indulge in that diet for two to three weeks, you come back to me on January 7 and you tell me how your mental health is, okay? In fact, you don't have to tell me because I'll already fucking know, okay? So it is my favorite time of year. Do everything I just said. Enjoy yourselves. What a time it is to be alive. Anyway, let's crack into some cricket banter. Okay, so some cricket banter to finish. Obviously, Australia played the West Indies in the first of two test matches. Is there a need for a second? That's a great question, guys. That is a phenomenal question. I said on the podcast last week that the West Indies have less than zero chance and are a bad cricket side. Pretty happy to stand by those comments. They they played well-ish, the West Indies. 
I'm just going to go from the start, okay? Firstly, out the gates, Usman Kawaja, straight into his work, okay? 65, he got a good ball. I maintain only God could have stopped him on day one. Usman Kawaja looked unbelievable. And the West Indies, fair play to them. They bowled very well. I like that Joseph guy. Bowls kind of quick. Kemar Roach, you got a lot of time for. Uh, but, you know, that Mares guy who bowls backwards, but it sort of whips around all over the place. Well, I, I thought the Windies bowled well. Okay, they're off spinner. Let's talk about their West Indies off spinner. I, Billy Darcy, former third grade superstar, currently wearing a bucket hat, doing a podcast out of his bedroom. I could score a double hundred against the West Indies off spinner. Holy shit, dude. Get some revs on the ball. Okay. Jesus Christ. Talk about just rolling the arm over. You know, I know the West Indies are laid back, but can you at least look like you're trying? This guy's just come in and just sort of, it's like his shoulder can't be fucked to even get over itself. You know, the West Indies off spinner, I don't even know his name. God bless him. When he comes in a bowl, it looks like his shoulder halfway through is like, it's it's like his shoulder is saying to him, it's not too late for us to pull out of this movement. We do not have to complete this. You know, it's like his rotator cuff is working an admin job. It just can't be fucked to put any sort of revs on the ball whatsoever. It's bloody bizarre. But as he gets into his work, Marnus and Steve Smith, I don't even know what to say. When you get two men and you when you combine a genuine passion for cricket um, with two men who appear to be on either side of the autism spectrum, but they balance each other out nicely, it's just unbelievable, okay? And I want to very candidly say this. If you look at Australia, the team I grew up with, you know, the God-tier team I grew up with, Hayden Langer, Ponting Clark, you know? You could go Ponting Hussey, Ponting Damian Martin. But let's take that, that top four. Hayden Langer, Ponting Clark against... Warner, Kawaja, Marnus, Steve Smith. What's the difference? The only thing I would say is that Usman Kawaja is probably like 60 test matches short of the amount he should have played. I have no doubt in my mind that if Usman Kawaja played the same amount of test matches as Justin Langer, his record would be comparable to the great man. Okay, I think Usman Kawaja would be able to score that amount of runs while still being a fairly you know, palatable dinner guest which is something Justin Langer unfortunately lost along the way, along the way of his path to the samurai. But dude, I tell you what, we need to realize, and people say Steve Smith hasn't had the best last couple of years. He still averages over 60 in test cricket before he walked to the crease in the, t- in the first test. So God knows what he averages now, just the 200 not out for the great man. Um, dude, Marnus and Steve Smith, like this is crazy. You know, before them, it was Clark and Hussey. Uh, before them, you know, it was probably, it was Ponting and probably Steve War. You know, before Steve War, it was probably Steve War, Alan Border. You know, the key to every great Australian generation is you need two God-tier batsmen. And, and also, David Warner is our Matthew Hayden. David Warner's record is unbelievable, okay? Unbelievable. And so, you know, hats off. To be fair, like, we have literally two of the top five best batsmen on the planet uh, against, you know, an okay West Indies lineup on a, you know, a flattish Perth pitch. It was doing a little bit, but really, I mean, good on the West Indies. They gave it a crack. The problem with the West Indies is they they can play well, 
but only for like 20 minutes at a time, okay? They bowled a good spell to Usman Khawaja when he was in the 40s. They just can't sustain it, you know? Even in the first innings, we put on 600. I'm expecting them to get bowled out for 150. They were none for 100. They were none for 90 or something. They were looking great guns. Chandapal, the Chandapal's son is getting hit everywhere. He's bloody, he keeps going. I'm loving it. I'm thinking, fucking oath. They get bowled for 250. They just can't sustain cricket at the highest level for any amount of time. You know, fair play to Braithwaite, the captain. Um, he got, I think, 60-odd and 100. And mate, I'd like to commend him on his determination and his, uh, his grit, okay? What I will say is he is the least aesthetic batsman I've ever seen. You could not pay me to watch whatever that guy's first name is, Braithwaite bat. And, and here's the thing. Congratulations. He got the runs against a fantastic Australian team. What he did was unbelievable. It was fantastic. I'm just saying, I just don't want to watch it. You know what I mean? To Brathwaite, I say, mate, when you bat, you know, it's like, uh, it's like when uh, homophobic people talk about gay people. I feel the same way about, like, this could honestly be a hate crime, this take. I don't know if this is red hot or not, but I feel the same way about Braithwaite's batting as a homophobic person feels about gay people kissing in public. Braithwaite, I don't mind you batting. Just don't do it in front of me, okay? <laughs> That's how I honestly feel. His style is so bad to watch. His swing of the bat, he's like limp-wristed or something. It's just, dude, honestly, his cover drive is disgusting. I don't want to look at it. I don't Like one time he tried to hit a cover drive. He just sort of bunts it with his bottom hand for two. One time he hit a cover drive. I was trying to eat dinner. You know, with the time zone in Perth to Sydney, I'm trying to eat dinner. Mac has cooked me... A beautiful fucking, I think it was, what would have been Thursday? I think we would have been having steak. I'm trying to eat a really nice scotch fillet. And this Brathwaite guy is hitting cover drives in front of me. I'm sorry, dude. But just, can we just flip over to fucking audio only when that guy's on strike? It is disgusting to watch. His his shots are bad. Okay? Like I said, great determination, great grit. But it's not good to watch at all. Um, Yeah, look, whatever. What else do I have to talk about here? Ugh, I got so passionate about how... Can we all agree it's just not aesthetic? It's all... Look, good batting, you know, I'm in for everyone having their own style, but good batting is about aesthetics. When Marnus Labashain hit those um, straight drives down the ground in the second innings, you could honestly fucking... You could take a beautiful JPEG of that straight drive and put it up in a museum in France, okay? Why do you think Pat Cummins got picked as captain? Cricket, like most things in life, are about aesthetics, Okay? A beautiful cover drive. You know, warning, bowling into the rough. Nathan Lyon coming round the wicket to the left-hander. Nathan Lyon oiling up his fucking dome with the speed dealers. It's aesthetic as fuck, okay? Speaking of the GOAT, the GOAT, he's like, he, you just can't stop him. You know, he's just, he's like, they've got an X amount of left-handers in their top order. The GOAT is honestly looking at their left-handers. He's salivating, Okay. He's looking, the goat is looking at their left hand as like an actual goat would look at a beautiful patch of grass. He's licking his lips, mate, okay? So you just knew it was going to happen when we had a shitload of runs on the board in the, in the fourth innings. The goat is like water. You cannot stop water. And that's what the goat is. It's just, if he doesn't get you in the first over, if he doesn't get you in the seventh, he's still coming. He's still coming. And he's just, it's too much. 
So a couple of things to talk about here. Da, da, da. What, did I, what have I got here? The Windies are very bad. I like to write a couple of notes for the cricket section because I literally get overwhelmed by how much there is to talk about. I literally, it has at the bottom here, the Windies are bad. Very bad. So I don't really see it playing out any differently in the second test. Kemar Roach is injured. Um, I think if Pat Cummins is injured, he's trying to come back from this quad injury. You know, he's like, he's like, oh, I'm fine. The the fucking cameras just stopped. I mean, what wh- what am I even talking about? Oh, I wonder what's going to happen in the second test. Let's speculate about what's going to happen in the second test match between Australia and the West Indies. Even my fucking camera can't be fucked, dude. Dude, if, if my if my Canon fucking two XD LR whatever it's called. If if there if we were living in fucking Hogwarts right now, and I could say fucking animus JPEG restlessness or whatever, and turn my Canon camera into a real boy, this camera would say, Billy, the Aussies are gonna smash the West Indies. Stop talking about it. My Canon camera would come to life and say, When does the South Africa series start? Okay. So great stuff. Um, look, whether Cummins plays or not, I honestly think. Uh, if he is even 1%, can't play, just rest. Let's play Scott Boland. Let's have Steve Smith captain, butter bing, butter boom. And then have Pat Cummins fresh for the South Africa series, which will be considerably tougher. Okay? The West Indies have less than zero chance. And when Brathwaite is batting, just make sure you're not um, trying, to, trying to digest anything because it's quite tough to watch. Okay? But apart from that, the Rowan Arneal episode is coming up now. Probably the best we've ever done, talking all things live podcast and the Liver King and some like kind of weird mental health chat at the end, I guess. But it was probably pretty fucking funny. So check that out. Thanks to everyone who came to the live pod, um, et cetera, dude, et cetera. Way too long, way too long. Yeah, and I can see the ground now. I'm way too gone, way too gone. All right, legends. Welcome back to Yet another second half of the podcast what a time it is to be alive etc you will notice my voice today is a bit under the weather that's because we had the live podcast and one of the biggest weekends of all time joining me as always is local rat bag rowan arneal rowan how are you traveling i'm traveling well honored to be in the studio again mate back to the humdrum nine to five business uh, cycle of the podcast how does it feel i think we've got a bit more of a pep in our step now i think you definitely do oh seeing some people actually knowing that there are people listening to this and i'm not just hanging out with billy yeah i guess it is good to see uh some tangible (laughs) results for your efforts because i i see the results man i'm out there i'm getting the messages Mm. you know who's this rowan guy what's his deal but mate obviously we'll get into the live podcast but just off the rip, like, where should we start? Because it was just, it was so much going on. We had a lot of fun, yeah. We had a lot of fun. Sold out in the end, thanking all. It was actually, like, way over capacity. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, like, it is like a comedy show, but with especially with you, Freddie, and Pat all love the UFC. So, like, it's a comedy show, but there's just intermittent, just like, you know who it fucking is. <laughs> like, Billy, you're so influenced by the UFC that for like bringing me up, it's just like, you know who it is. Like, yeah. Oh, mate, 100%. <laughs> it's, 
Firstly, mate, it's called creating some hype in the room. Oh, it's excellent. Okay, well, let's just do it chronologically. I think that would be mm. the best way to crack into what was a, a truly cranking night. So, firstly, it's a flex off the rip. We get the ferry over from Manly. Oh, feeling so good. Dude, you want to fucking let someone know you're arriving somewhere? Go there by boat. Exactly, yeah. Because there was talks of us maybe splitting an Uber, getting a bus. Gross. Absolutely disgusting. It's not how I podcast. No, definitely not. We we fucking scooted over on the Manly fl- Ferry, reminding everyone that once again, we are from the 1%. <laughs> We're rat bags in disguise. <laughs> Absolutely. Life has been good to us and we've been, <laughs> we've been bad to life. I was about to say, yeah, this is what it looks like when you fumble the, the gifts that <laughs> so the many, Lord gives you. So many fumbles. <laughs> yeah, this is like, I'm, if we'd be like a... If this was rugby league, we'd be a winger one meter out, yeah. and we've been past the ball, and like, I've stepped on the sideline. You know, yeah. two men that spent thirty k each to get communication degrees to be more communicative. Yeah, fuck, we fumbled it. That was a fun moment on the way there, when because Rowan met my mate Dorso, local legend, and uh, he goes, he was telling Dorso how he's a stonemason. And I said, yeah, well, that's what happens to us because he did the same useless degree I did. <laughs> Me and Rowan both studied media arts. <laughs> I, I did one year and then I'm like, I'm not really putting myself into this. I think I'm I'm wrong. I should take a year off, go away. Got to take the year off. I got to take, I've had, I've done a year and look, I'm not throwing myself into it as much as I really should. And that's going to have results for my job outcomes and stuff. And then I came back and I got back into it and was like, no, I wasn't the problem. The degree is the problem. <laughs> did, did you finish it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Yeah, yeah. What a laugh. What, what else was I going to fucking do? I, well, that's the thing. It gets to the point where you go, I'm technically two thirds of the way through. Yeah. I knew halfway through it was a waste of time. End of second year, I was like, well, this was a fucking dumb decision, wasn't it, man? Yeah. But here's the thing. you got to find something to replace it. Mm. You know, what's Billy up to? <laughs> Yeah. You can't say, well, he's doing two open mics a week in the city, but you either say he's studying at university. Mm. Obviously, that sounds unbelievable, you know. And I, w- I wasn't going back to square one, that's for sure. Can't go back to square one. <laughs> Mate, if I thought I didn't pay enough attention in the television school, I'm not going to pay enough attention anywhere else. Did you do television school as well? No, no, that was just how I saw it. I was just, oh, you called it, it television this school? This is my television school. Yeah, dude, I literally did an essay. Um, it was on the rise and rise of Hey Hey, It's Saturday. <laughs> I swear to God. Yeah, yeah, I've done similar. Anyway, so we get the ferry over, get into Kinsella's where it was. Fantastic energy. Uh, Freddie McManus, Will Gibb, Pat Doherty are the guests on the podcast. We meet up with the lads, Schoons pre-podcast. Mm. I was saying around before, the energy pre-podcast versus... Pre stand up comedy. Wow. <laughs> Completely different. Completely different. Before stand up, I'm like, no one can even look at me. Like like an hour of stand up, mm. I should say. Before like a live stand up comedy show, I'm stressed the fuck out. Mm. I'm freaking out. And he's normally searching the room for me to take it out on me. <laughs> I don't take it out on you. But if if you're in the way of some of my outbursts. Yeah, sometimes I cause some of the stress that he's not acknowledging is due to the show and it's actually all me. You do cause some of it. So, there's a bit of that. (laughs) There's a bit of that. Yeah, when we're like in fucking Brisbane and you haven't even confirmed to me if your plane has landed yet. And they're like, they're like, where's your opener? We're on in two minutes. And then you roll around like smoking a cigarette like, oh, chill out, dude. (laughs) 
I know how to arrive at a comedy show on time. I spend a lot of time getting there just as it begins. Well, anyway, mate, podcast, mate, fuck stand-up comedy. We may never do it again. Live podcasts are what it's all about. (laughs) Dude, before this live podcast, I was like, this is sick. We're just nailing schooners, having the biggest laugh ever. And uh, and then the show started uh, maybe half an hour late, I want to say. Or, nah, probably- 20 minutes. No, it it actually started 20 minutes late. And here's the thing. We were there. Mm. The crowd was not- Mm. classic Billy Darcy crowd or get around me crowd or I don't know I don't know how you would describe this crowd classic disrespectful crowd classic a little bit too hungry for beers beforehand crowd yeah classic forgot to order the Uber at Pre's yeah. crowd so <laughs> dude literally at like 20 past 7 it's doors at 7 um, show 7.30 mm. okay <clears throat> and the booker um, Skinner goes Hey, mate, no one's here. <laughs> this is at 7.20. There's not a single person in the room. And it's sold out. It's sold out plus, like, comps and friends mm. and stuff. So it's, like, over capacity. Mm. 7.20, not a single person in the room. He's like, mate, what's going on? I go, brother, you have clearly never produced a Billy Darcy show. <laughs> if anything, we're ahead of schedule. This is great, okay? I've never seen, even though no one's here yet, this is still the most punctual crowd I've ever had. <laughs> So we ended up starting a bit late, but it was good. And then we cracked in, dude. So off the rip, it was cranking. It was cranking. It was really good. Oh, dude, cute moment for me. I did the All Right Legends at the start and everyone did it with me. Oh, that was very cute. That was very cute. If if I could feel, I would have cried in that moment. Mm, That was very endearing. Yeah. Everyone was like, what a time to be alive. (laughs) One guy's like, you changed my life, man. (laughs) Mate, if Billy Darcy's changing your life, that's fucked. Mate, I've brought a few I've brought a few blokes back from the brink. Don't you worry about that. But um yeah, dude, so started out the gate, great. Will Gibb comes on, talking all things soccer and gay slurs, and it was phenomenal. Mm. Will Gibb is a phenomenal podcast guest live because he doesn't give a fuck in the room. <laughs> he does not give a fuck in the room. As soon as I said, mate, this is a lock-in, he was like, yes. <laughs> he came up to me and was like, mate, I think I'm going to say some wild shit. And I was like, mate, go for it. And he did. I'm going to have to- um, You're a little ginger gay dude. Go for it. I reckon you can pull it off. Oh, dude, I'll tell you what as well, because there was one- I, li- um, I can't remember exactly what it was. And I'm sure even if I could, it would not be suitable for the airwaves. Mm. Um, dude, there was one point where I like legitimately almost fell off my stool being like, <laughs> you know, like this is fucking red hot. First guest as well. <laughs> I was like, this is crazy. So, Will absolutely killed. It was great. <clears throat> and then I'm not going to say the main event, but there was, there was a pop in the room for our next guest. <laughs> Mate, I did give a UFC style intro. Mm. But what I, I said, this next guest has been on the second half of the podcast for the last couple of months. And then I was just going to say, welcome to stage, Rowan Arneal. Mate, couldn't even get another word out. The pop in the room. They were going nuts. And then I just go, I couldn't even, like, they were so loud. I just go, you know who it is. And everyone was going fucking nuts. Yeah, I've been brought to the stage so much because of stand-up comedy. And I realized after that, I'm like, oh. I've never been brought to the stage with any level of goodwill before in my life. Well, this is one, one stage where they actually wanted you to be on it. Mm, normally, it's I, I, I kind of start stand-up sitting in like a weird... I dig a little hole for myself. Oh, yeah. And then I got to get out of that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, mate, well, go into that a bit more. 
Because, like, it was crazy in the room. Oh, it was so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, down in Kinsella's little basement. Ooh. Com- comedy, mate. Comedy. You, 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 cop a, you cop a hell of a lot of L's, and then one one W, you just write for a weekend. Oh, dude, it was such so a nice sick. Time. It was unreal. Mate, you and me told some- And this is exactly what the people wanted from you and me. Mm. It was just yarns about me and Rowan just getting in all sorts of trouble overseas. <laughs> it was unreal. <laughs> Billy didn't go tubing in Van Vieng because he accidentally took opium. Shitloads of opium, dude. I managed to... I did go tubing, but then I got arrested afterwards in a, and put in a Laotian police station. So. Guys, when you're in Laos, you got to switch on. <laughs> okay, that was the message behind our segment. If you are in Laos, it is one of the opium capitals of the world. And just keep your wits about, about you. If... People do tell you don't go to that river and smoke weed because they try and get people there and plant it on them. Listen to them. Listen to them. That's what I got out of my experience. (laughs) That maybe you shouldn't drink 12 bourbon and Cokes and head down to the river. Eyes up. Eyes up up in Laos. (laughs) If if that was a non-live episode, it would have been called Eyes Up in (laughs) Laos. Banged up abroad with the boys. Yeah. Dude, banged up abroad would be good with you and me because- I think, like, I have more anxiety than you, but, like, I think you're dumber than me, but I'm dumber than you as far as street smarts. Yeah, probably. Would you go in on that? Yeah, yeah. I'm very clumsy, though. But I like to think both of us would kind of find a little home in a Laotian prison, though. We'd be playing cards. We'd be chilling. Dude, also, here's the thing. I could totally pick up a cigarette habit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's all you've got to do in there, (laughs) really. Dude, smoking fucking $2 Cambodian cigarettes, but, like, the whole carton is $2. Mm-hmm. Just gambling with my boys in, in, <laughs> in fucking block A. Yeah, that'd be sick, actually. Dude, that'd yeah. be sick. Um, but anyway, mate, so you absolutely killed it. It was unreal. And a couple of observations you shared with me earlier I thought we should talk about is, and this is something I guess I'd never really thought about because I have put you on my Instagram all the time and stuff and I don't know, but I guess, yeah, you, like didn't really think about it is that no one knew what you looked like. <laughs> so many people. I think a lot you, of people did. Yeah, yeah. But what what was the vibe? A lot of people just telling me that my face doesn't match my voice. And they imagine me in some like other being. And I'd be like, so is, is this wigging you out? And they're like, yeah, kind of, man, kind of. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. I, but I feel like, okay, I'm, I'm going to describe Rowan for the listener. Mm. I'm not going to use the word chubby. No. No, because there's no need. I'm stout. <laughs> You're stout. What what do you what are you clocking at? Six three? Yeah, nearly. I wish. I'm like so close to six three. Because I'm like me. I'm six two, but like I'm not a millimeter over six two. Oh really? I'm like I think you're a bit taller than yeah, me. Yeah, I'm halfway in between. So he's six three. Oof, okay. Come out the gate strong. <laughs> okay. Big uh big broad shoulders on the great man. Now we described your skin tone in quite some detail <laughs> yeah. on a recent podcast when I think we did seventeen minutes on how much neither of us can truly tan. <laughs> but here's the thing, mate. So you've got sort of a bit tanned, a bit red, a bit freckle, surfy, you know, moustache, long hair. Sort of looks like a guy who blazes a lot and does comedy. Like it kind of checks out for mine. The one thing, one guy was under the impression you were Indian. Yeah, and that's his fault, by the way. <laughs> and I think at, at some point you do have to blame yourself as far as that punter because mm. there's been nothing that we've alluded to that you might be Indian. I would be talking about that all the time. If you were Indian, it's all we would talk about. <laughs> yeah. 
It'd be called Billy Darcy and that Indian guy podcast. <laughs> we are going to Triple J podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called Fuck Yeah, We're Gonna Make It podcast. <laughs> I would kill for Billy to transition. Oh, dude. God, if I had the courage, I would. But, dude, yeah, yeah one guy thought you were Indian, which was hilarious. Um, it is an Indian name, though, as well. It's Irish and Indian because there's some great batsmen. Yes, that, there is. That cabbies like to talk to me about. But, all right, <clears throat> I don't want to get too into the fucking semantics here. You're Rowan. I feel like the Indian one is more Rohan. It is, yeah. It's is Rohan, yeah. Rohan, yeah. Um, and because we got a uh, friend of the podcast, I guess. We've never used this term before. But <laughs> Rohan Ganju. Yeah, yeah. I love that guy. Hilarious. Dude, great guy. And uh, speaking of, maybe just knock on the door. Just tell the boys. Just open it. Hey, lads, sorry. Just potting in here. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, all right. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> just the boys are back from the gym. Exciting. Macaron and Adzi have been going to the gym recently. And uh, I haven't been. <laughs> but uh, You have been running for your mental health, though? I've been running for my mental health. And as a result, dude, I'm looking fucking trim, dude. Mm. Real trim. But uh, what were we talking about? Oh, people just... To be honest, a lot of the people that did say that I looked different, you could tell in their eyes they were expecting me to look uglier. I think that was the vibe. It was unbelievably There the was vibe. a lot of people saying, you don't really look like what I think you look like. Because... That's not true. You look exactly like what you are. Mm. The thing is, but that version of person, we can take you all the way from 10 to 1. Mm. And I think a lot of people had you more in the three neighborhood. Absolutely. It's like, you can't be this negative without eyes this blue. It's not possible, right? Yeah. You can't get away with it. Yeah. It's like, how can you be so melancholy when you're clearly a genuine, I'll, I'll say seven. Thank you, Billy. I'm not going to go into eight territory. Obviously not. Well, I would, I would turn that down. What, what would Ash say, your beautiful girlfriend, if she was gun to her head? I think she wouldn't lie. I think she'd say seven. But That's he, through her eyes as well. But here's the thing. I would say yes. Right now, I would objectively say you are a seven. But within your capability is that of an eight. Oh, bullshit. I think if you get, if you get jacked up. Yeah, well, that's never going to happen. Dude, I, wor I was working with someone once and I described myself as a six and he like laughed in my face and was like, are you fucking serious? And really? I was like, hang on. And then he got all the waitresses to come out and be like, bro, Rowan thinks he's a six. I was like, all right, mate. Yeah, I, I always go with six mm. because, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, it is a thing where you go, I'm one of the great sixes. And I have had people be like, you wish, mate. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, in my head, I actually think <clears throat> seven. And here's the thing is that- I, let's let's say I'm a four, mm. okay? I'm a four out of 10. Mate, for my own mental health and self-esteem, I'm not going around being like, I'm one of the great four out of 10s. Have some fucking pride. Put your shoulders back. I would argue there's not a three out of 10 on the planet who couldn't at least be a four with just putting a bit more cunt in their cup of coffee in the morning. <laughs> you know, put your shoulders back. Look me in the eye, mm, okay? Whether you think I'm a three or not, I refuse to carry myself as one. <laughs> yeah. I refuse to say that I'm a five. Give yeah, me a I fucking know. break, mate. Dude, I got a family that loves me, okay? <laughs> Fuck off. What about that? Yeah. Um, but then what happened? Oh, yeah, no, mate. It just got better and better. Then Freddie McManus, talented uh, impressionist. Freddie came on... <clears throat> excuse me. Freddie came on as Conor McGregor in one of the funniest things I think we've ever seen. Mm. 
Um, he did. We did like cricket banter, but he was Conor McGregor. Yeah, pretty good. It was unreal, dude. So I'd be like, oh, like I'm not even going to do it because Freddie does such a great Conor McGregor, mm. and I can't really do it. Um, but I'd be like, oh, Justin Langer's back in the news. What do you think of him? And he'd just like talk about Justin Langer, but as if it was like Conor McGregor talking about Khabib. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny, dude. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. And then uh, we had a couple other things that I did. Um, I mean, there was a lot of fucking chaos in the room as well. I don't want to give it away. <laughs> I don't know if that thing will ever be released. <laughs> I'm going to have to like send a cut into the group chat and be like, everyone needs to sign off on this <laughs> before this goes out because this is just too much, dude. But And then Pat Doherty came on at the end. Mm. Now, why would you put Pat Doherty on at the end? Because he'll disrespect everyone after anyone that's going after him will just be furious at him. Be like, how am I supposed to just get up there and tell a yarn with Billy when Pat was just like audibly like fucking a chair and moaning and stuff like that? At one point, the microphone was three inches down his own throat. (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that part of the show. I was like, all right, Pat, rain it a little bit, mate. He was going. I reckon, honestly, for the first seven minutes, Pat Doherty was on stage. I didn't get a word in. No, no. I my favorite part about Pat on stage was watching your face as you just kind of flick back at him and just mate, mate, mate. But <laughs> <laughs> me and Pat are on stage together in these situations. It's like when we do Riff City together. Like I'm trying to give him looks, but like <laughs> here's the thing: is like, and also what we're talking about, Pat. The first seven minutes, I couldn't get a word in. People are falling out of their chairs laughing. Mm. He's killing. He's killing so hard, but it's like Pat will just go into this space where, like, he's here's the thing is like he's just like in this like stream of consciousness thing. Mm. Whereas I'm still in the room, I'm still Billy Darcy, host of Get Around Me, the live podcast. So I'm thinking, and also I'm thinking this is great because like Pat's the last guest. Mm. At this point, the podcast has gone like an hour over, and I tried to stop like half an hour earlier. I said, "All right, we'll wrap this up in a sec." And people were like, no, no. So I was like, fuck, yeah, all right, whatever. I got nowhere to be. And then, yeah, so Pat just went nuts. I think he was on stage for like 25 minutes. Mm. I kind of, I think we told some fucking weird yarn at the end. Yeah, yeah, you got out. You got out well at the end. But, man, it was funny watching your face. Trying to contain the beast. Trying to contain the beast. At one point, you were trying to set him up to tell this story and he just kept slowly moving the podcast like sign that was on the table oh that's right stop mate stop mate stop (laughs) mate stop i had to at one point go pat i'm fucking serious stop (laughs) like and before he went up there i just went up to him and i was feeling real good and i was like mate just trust your instincts and then halfway halfway into his set i was like mate i think i might have said the wrong thing hey a little less instinctual pat the thing is, when Pat trusts his instincts, he trusts them for a minimum of 37 minutes. <laughs> so, hey, it couldn't have gone better, really. Um, one punter, unfortunately, ran into a bit of adversity after the show. Mm. Um, I wasn't privy to the whole situation, but I think one of the blokes from the crowd was like calling Pat a pedophile, like ad nauseum. He was calling a few people a pedophile. He, mate, this guy was absolutely full of hot takes and he was so drunk. Yeah, well, there is a, a small, a very small portion of the room at, at a Get Around Me Live podcast. There's, I would say, out of the 110 people that were in there, there's probably about three blokes who are going like, you know, I could have done this podcast. <laughs> and it's like, brother, you fucking go nuts whenever you're ready, okay? But you didn't. But you didn't, okay? And that's why I kissed a girl on the lips and you did not. But 
So this guy's calling Pat a pedophile. And here's the thing, is that after the show, hanging with everyone, love it. If I've never met someone before, I wouldn't go in on calling them a pedophile off the rip. Mm. I'd maybe build some rapport first, this sort of stuff. I met this guy. He wasn't really into building rapport. Yep. He he pretty he came pretty hot off the whip to me as well. Hot off the whip. Is is whip what they're calling Spectrum these days? <laughs> His mate was just walking around next to him being like, Stop, mate, stop. I told you, stop. <laughs> he was doing what you were doing at Pat on stage. <laughs> Dude, so funny. Anyway, um basically Pat <laughs> Basically literally as I walked over, I saw the whole thing. It was pretty unreal. Mm. Um this guy's just calling Pat a pedophile relentlessly. It's not doing well at the table. <laughs> It is not doing well at the table. And Pat slapped this guy in the face, maybe upwards of five times. <laughs> and the beauty of Pat Doherty is that you get to be 6'6", slap someone in the face like five times, and there's not a security guard in sight to tell you to leave. No, and and the things that did see it, they're, they're pretending they didn't. Mm. So Pat slapped him maybe three times, and it wasn't like one reload it was like one back across back across like backhands and forehands it's pretty rare to see backhands in a forehands like that because that's probably the most disrespectful way to slap a person yeah that's usually reserved for like cinema yeah yeah definitely he's full doing like the zorro like you've disrespected my lady for the last time and then he slapped him like four times backhand forehand backhand forehand and then you could tell Pat, you could, and he told me this as well. He goes, I gave him one more at the end just because it was so fucking fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. A great night. Great classic hits. Da, da, da. We went to that fucking club afterwards, but. Yeah, not, not much to report there, really. Not much to report there. We should have stayed at a pub. Yeah, I didn't realize that that wasn't. Mate, every time anyone on a night out is like, where should we go now? I just want to sit them down and be like, what's wrong with here? Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with here right now? Yeah, I don't know what time it was and this sort of stuff. It was fine. Whatever. Anyway, well, it was a great night. I had heaps of fun. Um, also, I probably like, shout out to Skinner. He was just endless free beers on stage. Mm. Dude, I must have had like five pints during the podcast. <laughs> I had like three beforehand. I was loving it. Um, <clears throat> all right, up next, mate, a couple of things. Da, da, da. The Liver King. Oh. Highs and lows on the weekend. Our king has fallen. Our king has fallen. Obviously, on this podcast, um, I want to get these words right because this is very important. Mm. This is not something to just sort of deli in and out of, but this podcast, it's a primal one. Mm. I think we've been particularly um, forceful about that. Mm. You know, it's, for our, it's by alphas for alphas. This Obviously. podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like we said, the Alpha Blokes podcast, fair play, lads, you got in first. <laughs> okay? If we, we fucking sent it off to, to Spotify and they said, we've already got a podcast called the Alpha Blokes podcast. So, fair is fair. But the Liver King, our king, has fallen. He finally got caught doing steroids. Rowan, as a fellow primal alpha male, take me through your thoughts and feelings at this time. I don't know what I'm going to do with everything in my deep freeze, mate. Well, mate, you've what got- am I going to do with my fucking liver? Yeah, I was about to say all the hooves in your <laughs> in your fucking freezer. What will my liver cubs think of this, <laughs> dude? What he's is on it? like ten different types as well. Oh so my god, fucking good. Well, I saw comments like, I mean, all the comments are like this anyway. But before he admitted he was on steroids, and and here's the thing, is that. This goes under the radar with a lot of these situations is that because he did a video on Instagram being like, 
I need to fully own what I've done as a man. Mm. I fucked up. And it's like, but here's the thing though. You got caught, brother. Yeah, exactly. You got caught. You didn't come clean. So many cunts get caught and then go, I have to handle this like a man. And it's like, uh, a man would have brought it up two years ago. Yeah, I love the, it's time to come clean with you guys. Now that you've accessed all my data. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck off, cunt. Dude, I tell you what I love how like in this new wave era of like alpha males, like um, honesty has not been brought up once in like 12 years. (laughs) Dude, there's just all these fucking alpha legends like playing up on their misses, like doing blow like behind the (laughs) AFL club's back and being like, now I have to, I have to handle this like a man. And it's like, yeah, because you didn't already. (laughs) A real man would have been, would have just come clean. One of my favorite ones is when like a footy player, like, um, assault someone viciously on the street and then like years later someone brings it up to them and they're like mate I don't have any regrets because that made me who I am today and that changed my behaviour yeah. it's like alright mate well that bloke can't see out of his left eye <laughs> yeah. he, he hasn't been able to see out of that thing for ages imagine being the guy that gets hit being like oh well thank god I was he, he got to I got to be some sort of vehicle for his change yeah yeah i was a stepping stone on your personal growth journey (laughs) and what privilege it was (laughs) dude oh my god so obviously and here's the thing god this is so funny dude firstly what is it with guys who are so clearly on steroids insisting they're not mate it's like the rock we've spoken about this before bro Mm. with the rock the rock is so obviously on steroids Mm. i think it's still impressive I think the Liver King and the Rock's physique are still impressive, even on steroids. So why can't you just say you're on steroids? People need to realize it's kind of fucking impossible to get that big, not without steroids. It it is impossible. It, it really is. It needs to be like 12 years of just eating nothing but chicken and rice. And also, here's the thing is that, mate, do I know anything about steroids? No. <laughs> but I tell you what, I've watched enough UFC... To, you can tell when the drug testing came in. <laughs> you can literally tell when the bloke's traps stop touching their ears while they're sitting there. Mm. You know, when people, you could see their necks again. Mm. Like, there's just certain muscles that shouldn't look certain ways. Like, and whatever. I love. I actually really don't have a problem with the liver king because here's the thing. <laughs> this guy gets caught out for doing steroids. It's like, yeah, you've misled all these people. It's like, if you have honestly shaped your life around this online psychopath and feel betrayed, it's a reminder that, hey, don't do that. (laughs) I hope someone has adopted his diet and his family's diet for their children and their children are just like in some flat in Delaware having to eat liver. being like, fuck, my dad's such a loser. They've just all got gout. (laughs) Got so much gout. But dude, as well. Mate, the best thing about the Liver King, like any primal alpha male, and this is straight out of the rugby league um, playbook, some of the uh, some of the AFL legends, Wayne Carey, etc. Obviously, mate, he's got caught doing the wrong thing. What does any... I'm going to give you a guess. What, what does any alpha male who gets caught doing the wrong thing immediately link their problem to? Well, I assume he's been struggling with some pretty bad mental health. His mental health, brother. Of course. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> Every time. So fucking oh. good. <laughs> oh, it's unbelievable. You've got to assume that the black dog's responsible for this one. Yeah, but you just... Here's the thing. Don't even don't even address what you did with context. Just go, do a video facing camera say, the black dog is outside my bedroom door. He howls at night. He howls. Dude, and, and here's the thing is, I got, I got, dude, firstly, 
cunts like this getting caught, it's literally my favorite thing on the planet. Like Wayne Carey with the cocaine at the casino. Mm. He dropped a bag of cocaine on the table. And it's like, all you have to say is, oh, shit, that's my cocaine. Yeah. And, it, and he, he said it was fucking Nurofen and that he was also a disabled man who was struggling with mental health. <laughs> Mate, all the men in the world would respect you a lot more if you're just like, yeah, I'm kind of a rich guy that does coke sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Like, dude, I'm telling you, I've said this on the podcast ad nauseum. And steroids is the other one. The first famous man of note to just put his hand up and be like, oh, that bag of white powder I got caught with was cocaine. Mm. I was doing cocaine. Mm. And the first jacked guy like Matthew McConaughey when he was jacked, he would have done steroids for Magic Mike. Um, The Rock, Mm. John Cena, these sort of guys. Um, The Liver King. As soon as they say, one of them just says, oh, by the way, I'm on steroids. Mm. Kamal Nanjani reckons he's just been eating heaps of chicken breast. It's like, brother- what the fuck are yeah. you talking about? And, mate, the first person to just put... If anything, we could have one super primal animal come out and take both bullets. Yeah, that would be cool. If, like, The Rock came out and said, um, I got caught doing cocaine at this club last night. Sometimes I do it. Whatever. I fucking love it. And then also, while we're here, I've been on steroids for 25 years. He could reshape male culture so swiftly, it would be crazy. Yeah, I would love to just come out and be like, by the way, I have depression, but this has nothing to do with it. Yeah. This has got nothing to do with the black dog. The black dog did not make me get up in the morning and drive to Parramatta and buy steroids and then inject them into my veins. <laughs> Dude, the, why, the black dog just wanted me to look so goddamn vascular. <laughs> Dude, I read the Liver King email and... um. He's so good. In the email, he's like, as I age, this goddamn back fat gets to me. And you're like, mate, this is fucking pathetic. Dude, and it's just vanity. It's just extreme vanity. And so he said, oh, you go. Oh, pure masculine energy. If you want to be top of the fucking food chain, it's not giving an absolute fuck about how you look at all. Yeah. And if someone asks you a question, you can just tell them the truth. Yeah. Like, like just on the biggest podcast on the planet going, I have never- Ever. Also, also, on steroids while he said it. I have never, ever taken steroids. So good, dude. So good. But um, the other thing is just with the... Oh, God. There's so much to talk about. So I wonder out, how the liver cubs are handling it. The liver cubs. Shout out to the liver cubs. If any of the liver cubs um, need a new identity, a new internet figure to glom onto, me and Rowan could provide that. We will cook you food that has been cooked. And if you want, we're not going to put up a million videos of your face while you eat it. 100%, dude. What, what are some of the things, um, what, what are some of the tenants, you know, the ancestral tenants of get around me? <laughs> we just force these children to get really into cricket. Yeah, I would say appreciating the real world game, Ex- which is cricket. <laughs> Treating Sundays like they're meant to be treated. Yeah, let's talk about that. Okay, the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day. A lot of you are forgetting the Lord part, okay? Yesterday was Sunday. We're recording this on a Monday. I woke up. It was the Lord's Day. Mm. I spent there relaxing, taking that time to fucking, to blaze, to gamble, to connect with my lats, (laughs) okay? To take it all in. Did you get a swim in, perhaps? No, because we had to get up for the Socceroos. I was oh, like kind true. of delirious all day. Mm. I had like two naps. Again, rest and recover. Of course. For the Lord himself. But anyway. <clears throat> did you maybe eat some shapes or some pods or something? We did have shapes. Oh, perfect. Beautiful, beautiful shapes. Anyway, 
so he's come out and he said the only reason he did the liver king thing was to help people with low self-esteem and for the 4,000 people every day who attempt suicide. Fucking hell. Dude. That is so pathetic. How? <laughs> Dude, okay. That is legitimately disgusting. It's so disgusting. To be like, to get caught doing the wrong thing and be like, you not only did it because of all those people who are topping themselves. <laughs> I love the comedian version of that one. So like, I just knew I just wanted to make everyone laugh and feel better. I'd love oh to put my, my hand God. up and be like, nah, this is totally self-involved. Dude, it's so self-involved. <laughs> and nothing to do with you cunts. Dude, and here's the thing. Do you know what he should have said? He should have come out and said, uh, yeah, so I was doing heaps of steroids and I created this liver king thing so I could become famous mm. and respected. And uh, he was already a multimillionaire. He's like, yeah, I just wanted the fame and a big social media platform. I wanted to Roids, sell, sell lots of things. Roids helped me get there. Dude, I went on Bert Kreischer's podcast. That was pretty sick. I'm sitting in front row at the UFC. Who gives a shit if I'm doing roids? Mm. Instead of being like, this is because of all the people out there who struggle with low self-esteem, just like me. He jumped in with these people. And, mate, cultural appropriation. Let's, let's take that term. Let's whip off the cultural because, as we have discussed, you are not Indian. No. We got a couple of two white fellas in a white room with their white takes. But So we're going to drop cultural. We're going to drop that. But appropriation, appropriation just by itself. Mate, he is appropriating the struggles of those people who actually struggle with low self-esteem, depression, have suicidal thoughts. And he's taking that to be like, guys, sorry about all the roids. Yeah, I've been a bodybuilder for 20 years and the whole time I was doing it for insecure people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, where are these insecure people you fight for? Are they out the back? Are they the ones that you yell at through Instagram Live that, I'm not lazy, I get up every day, I work out. Are they the same people you call anti-primal bitches? <laughs> Dude, all the anti-primal bitches out there are actually the real reason he gets up in the morning and sticks a medical-grade syringe directly into his ass. Ten different types. Ten different types, baby. But it was an accident. That's how depression works, mate. Sometimes yeah. it just builds up. Depression builds up. Dude, honestly. And all of a sudden, you're emailing people about the 10 different steroids you're on. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> Dude, I swear to God, and this is honestly, I would never even like say this on the pod. I swear to God, the last time the black dog was roaring at my window, <laughs> he sold me 12 caps. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking swear to God, dude. Dude, if I didn't have such low self-esteem, I would not have got on the beers for the last three days straight with my boys. But I heard you did that for all the insecure men out there. Well, mate, here's the thing is I had to drink for three days straight because I heard there's some bloke in Perth who's having a tough time. <laughs> mate, people are so fucking pathetic. Dude, that is so like, and to say I'm standing up for people with depression and low self-esteem, it's like, no, you're not. You're using their struggle to shield yourself from the backlash of your own mistakes. <laughs> yeah. And also, also, like you said earlier, having low self-esteem does not excuse your actions. You can't murder someone and be like, Your Honor, I just wasn't, I wasn't really feeling myself that day. Mm. I've, you know, I felt, you know, it just was a bit out of whack. Mm. Wasn't, wasn't the, uh, the typical Rowan Arneal we all know and love. <laughs> feeling a bit low. Um, yeah, comedy wasn't going that well. Anyway, so I just murdered this dude. Mm. Cheated on my girlfriend because I was insecure. Yeah. Like, oh, wait. That's it the big one. Were you insecure? 
Fuck, I didn't know you were insecure, mate. I Dude. didn't I didn't realize that anyone else in the world had ever been insecure. <laughs> Fucking hell. Well, he was it. Guys, stop stop the music. He's insecure. He's the first person to ever be insecure. <laughs> Dude, insecurity. Why God, this is the tough thing about insecurity. And this is just from what I can see hmm. from my fellow alphas. <laughs> as far as I can tell, the only cures for insecurity and this is just the the field evidence I've taken back. The only true cures for insecurity are cocaine, cheating on your wife, steroids, and domestic violence. Yeah, and um, post-pub violence as well. Post-pub violence. Yeah. Fucking oath. It's I'm, hard, mate. I mean, that, there's your five a day, straight <laughs> straight from from Dr. Bill, eh? Forget your fruits and veg. That'll keep the fucking black dog out, out the back door. But um, It's so funny. It's like me- cause- we had a big night on Friday night. You went. I dropped you to the festival, and then I just absolutely tucked into a day of recovery. Got it. Put a sarong on, sat on my parents' deck, and just fucking blazed the day away. Yeah. And it's like my mum coming out and being like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, dude, this is for all the insecure men out there. Yeah. I've got to drink a bottle of chilled red wine and smoke cones. Because there's no other answer to this. Because my boys are struggling. <laughs> my boys are struggling. My anonymous boys. Oh, dude, it's it's an epidemic in male culture of <laughs> just saying, "All right, Billy, so like you have done this thing, you've bloody you've hit this bloke, you've hit mm. this bloke, Bill." And then male culture now in twenty twenty two is saying, "Yeah, I did hit that guy, but what about this other thing?" <laughs> but what? So I, yeah, I did punch that guy in the face. What about this unrelated event that I think you'll actually find will paint me in a much more sympathetic light? <laughs> Hey, I know I punched that guy in the face, but what about this? Four years ago, I was sad. Mm. So, is that, are we done here? Heaven forbid someone raises their hand and was like, yeah, in 2022, I was being a complete cunt. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, I punched that guy because, um, yeah, I was being a real cunt. He pissed me off, but I shouldn't have done it. And I did it. It was the wrong thing to do. It was my mistake. I apologize. Mm. That's it. Like, there's no. It's like, uh, it's like I raised the uh, the assault, and I here's an unrelated incident from five years ago. Also, like, everyone struggles with something in their own way. Okay, you can't just whip around town doing whatever you want. Everyone's got anxiety. I'm an anxiety boy. I've got my anxiety. You know, filled to the brim with it some days. And I've heard that sometimes you're insecure as well. Mate, I fuck it. I'll put my head up. Let's not forget that. But here's the thing. When I walked out of Coles today, I managed to not swing my bag of shopping at the back of the bloke's head who was walking slowly in front of me. So, what's that about? I don't know. It's just lucky you. <laughs> lucky you that that's the way you get to deal with your insecurity, Billy. Oh, what a world to live in. Dude, I fuck it. There's nothing better than blokes. Here's one. I love just watching people's just like annoying hubris just get taken down. So Dude, bad. it's so good. Now, here's one. Obviously, we got like the liver king. Um, I'm trying to think of some other good ones. Um, a lot of people come out as sex addicts when they get caught um, cheating on oh, the missus. yeah, yeah. That's one of my favorites. That's a great one. Yeah. The Crystalia. The Crystalia. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, he became a sex addict. And you called Crystalia. Because, and oh, Crystalia might be the most disgraceful one. Because <laughs> when it came out that Crystalia had been like rooting all these underage women, um, Rowan said it kind of makes sense because he famously doesn't drink or do drugs. Mm. And Rowan said everyone has something. Mm. But Crystalia played up on his wife for fucking years, finally gets caught. All of a sudden, he's a sex addict. He literally goes on his podcast a year later, goes, This is my chip for one year of sobriety from not 
cheating on my missus. I'm, I'm glad that you needed a chip, mate. Yeah. I'm glad that you needed a chip not to do that. Wow. And also, what a fantastic little disease he has there. His disease only reared its ugly head. His sex addiction, mate. Mm. And it is a disease. His disease only reared its head when on Thursday to Saturday when he was in other cities performing comedy and there were heaps of chicks who wanted to bang him. It's weird that the disease only really reared its ugly head as soon as he became a famous comedian as I well. know. When he was a non-famous 19-year-old <laughs> loser from nowhere, it wasn't... Where was the disease? Was it out with the black dog howling? <laughs> was he Was he trying to pick up homeless people in the street and kind of be a disgusting sex addict? I don't think so. I don't think so. Imagine being a genuine heroin addict where like you're shooting up 24-7 mm. and this guy's like, yeah, dude, when I'm, uh, when I'm on the road for footy or comedy, I, I play up on the missus a bit, so... I know what you're struggling with. <laughs> we all have a burden to carry, mate. Dude, some of these guys, these poor guys, I don't know what it is. Their disease, their sex addiction only actually activates on the Gold Coast. <laughs> <laughs> That's the crazy thing about diseases, mate. Sometimes they only pop up on footy trips yep. when you know the people around you are also doing the same thing. Yeah, some diseases will only pop up when you've got an unwritten rule with the other lads that, hey... <laughs> We're going to let our diseases go for a few days here. <laughs> We're not going to take our invisible medicine that we always take. <laughs> Mate, that's 45 minutes. Should we just crank it there? Yeah, that's sweet. Because that was fucking fun. Yeah, yeah. That, that was, was great. <laughs>